Steve Lukather is not only one of the world's best guitarists, he's a man in transition. Gone are the days of the partying rock star, the booze and the cigarettes, although his sense of humor is still very much intact. Luke has a new outlook on life that is being reflected through his music, which has been very apparent on his previous two solo albums, Ever Changing Times and All's Well That Ends Well. His latest album, Transition, completes another chapter for the musician who pours his heart, soul, and his personal reflections into every track on this new collection of nine songs. Joining us for a fourth time is our good friend and Inside Music Cast favorite, Steve Lukather. Hey, Luke, thanks for hanging out with us again. Well, and we meet again, lads. We do. Yes, we do. I, you know, you've, uh, between you and Aunt Lee, uh, we've, we've had probably, you guys have been on the show more than anybody, I think, I so know. far. I know, my God. Yeah. Aunt Lee, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, perfect. <laughs> well, this year has been, you know, a pretty incredible year for you. I mean, really nonstop. I mean, you, you, I think I you said you've done like five five tours, you know, with various. I did various... five different. Tours. I jumped onto a plane on January first, yeah, to go to Germany to do the Rock Meets Classic tour with Ian Gillen and Jimmy Jameson. Mm-hmm. And, That's right, and Chris Thompson and uh, uh, Robin Beck. That's who it was. Awesome. Yeah. And we traveled around Germany for a month with an 80-piece orchestra. Wow. I started my album, actually, uh, last December. Right, that's right. So I, that was like the beginning of the cycle. And then I did that, and I worked on the album, and I went out with G3 with uh, Joe Cetrione and Steve Vai. And all the time I was writing lyrics and working while I was on these tours. And i come back and record some more. And then I went out and did Ringo in the summer. Mm-hmm. Worked on the record all, always in between. And then I went out with Toto. And then I, you know, I did some more G3 with, Joe, with John Petrucci, and then it's been an insane year. Yeah. Uh, and very positive, you know, very uh, big growth, a lot of good things. So I'm, I'm hoping to stay the course. You know? Yeah, the last time we talked to you was last December, and that was before you could announce the Ringo Tour. But just talking about the Ringo Tour for a second, I mean, you've always been, you know, as we all know, a Beatles fan. So tell me your thoughts about going on tour with the Beatles and what it was like, you know, hanging out with Ringo all summer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, as it turns out, we've become really good friends. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing, you know. I mean, <laughs> we just hit it off. You know, yeah. you kind of, I hoped, you know, because I, I didn't meet him until the first day I showed up in Canada for rehearsals. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously, I knew everybody but Todd and, and Ringo. And we, it just turned into this one big happy family. I have such incredible respect for every single musician on that tour. But yeah. Ringo is really special, man. You know, we just hit it off and... We stay, we're constantly, you know, he texts me and we talk on the phone and he sent me this wonderful uh, little thing. Uh, this, uh, I bought one of his paint, his uh, lithographs for the charity and he wrote me a really great dedication. He would announce me and say, this is my last new best friend. I ain't having any more. It was really kind of this inside joke, became hilarious. And he wrote that on this thing for me. It meant the world to me. He, like I said, not only is he one of the Beatles, but, you know, once you get past this, you know, the fact that that's where it's at, you right, know, right, and right. you get to know the guy as a man, as a human being. Yeah. He's an incredibly wise, funny, soulful, well-read, together person, man. Yeah. Certainly someone I admire even more than I did as a fan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's that cool of a guy. And uh, if one shuts up and listens, you can learn a hell of a lot from him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we know that he's got a very keen musical ear. And, uh, you know, he probably had a game plan when, before the tour. And, but how much did he really rely on you guys, the musicians, to, to get together and, uh, you know, contribute to the whole content? How, how, did it, uh, how did he build the tour, especially with new musicians uh, uh, touring well, with him? He, you know? I think he, you know, he has a guy named Dave Hart who kind of like uh-huh. does – the scouting, for lack of a better word, I mean, okay. puts together these bands. I mean, it, it, the bottom line is it all goes by him. Right, he has you. to say thumbs up or down. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he was, you know, gracious enough to invite me along for the ride, you know, and, yeah, I, I, I don't know, because, I mean, I've heard stories, I mean, this, apparently this band is one of the, as far as getting along and, and groove-wise, and everything is, was one of the better put-together bands, because we mm-hmm. all really did hang out together mm-hmm. every day. There was no, like, well, everything was cool except for that one guy who's kind right. of a pant load or something like that. <laughs> it wasn't like that. Everybody got on really well. We all hung out together, laughed together, traveled together, and everybody was really respectful and really everybody really helped each other's music. Yeah, like we'd everybody would go, no, let's work on Todd's tune today. Let's work on. Let's make sure those vocals are right. And Todd is the same way, and and Richard and and Greg and yeah. all both Gregs and Mark Rivera who was just a giant talent really yeah. you know he was like the musical director Mark Rivera mm-hmm. he you know he kind of he's been an MD for a long long time that's right really so i mean you know he kind of he he also 
had a lot to say about all this stuff. And as it turns out, I mean, we did different arrangements of everybody's kind of tunes, you know. We did, we, you know, took liberties, and Ringo was just having a blast doing it, you know. And since everybody else got along, he wasn't stressed. Because mm-hmm. apparently there's been stressful versions yeah. in the past. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I'm not. I I can't tell you who, but I mean, yeah. I just from what I've gathered that <laughs> he had a really great time this time. We got him to get out to go to the movies and run really? on the beach. It's the stuff that you and I take for granted, you know, take for granted. But yeah. you know, something like Ringo just can't just walk can't down do the street. Yeah. One of the most famous people on the planet, right? Exactly. And exactly. you know the way he reacts to people reacting. It's it's almost like a it's surreal to watch it. And so most people are really cool, but, you know, some people are just really not cool when they run into people yeah, like that. Right. They yeah. just got to lose their minds. And yeah, exactly. It's a little weird. <laughs> just don't but, know how to know, act. like I said, I mean, <laughs> just a joy. I mean, it was, the most, it was the best summer vacation I ever had in my life. That's yeah, I mean, awesome. the way it was handled, the way we traveled, the way we were taken care of, the gigs themselves, the crowd, the ba- fellow band members, where we stayed, how we got the groove and the laughs, you know. I, yeah. Honestly, God, I really needed this one, man. I mean, I've had a couple, really hard couple of years emotionally and yeah. physically and all kinds of shit. Big transformation, hence the term transition mm-hmm. for my album. But this is a good one, man. I, and I thank God for, you know, for, for the opportunity. Yeah. And also, you know, to Ringo for believing in me. And now we got, you know, we're doing February and then there's some talk about doing some more. That's awesome. So yes. I'm trying, I mean, I got a full dance card, man, which is, which is great for me at my age to have this much work and all these great positive things going. Mm-hmm. You know, Toto's 35th anniversary, a new album out that I'm really proud of, and yeah. hell, even my exes like me. So <laughs> hell, I've been, I got four, you know, beautiful, healthy kids. You know, I'm, I'm healthier than I've ever been in my life. So I mean, with great agony comes uh, a positive at the end of it. If you can hang on without being bucked off a horse, so to speak, yep. hang on. Yeah, good, good. You know, I've learned a lot. You know, some of it was very painful, but some of it was really positive. So you gotta just go. What the fuck? Here we are. You know. Yeah, and of course, you just mentioned Toto, and you know, you guys got back together again. Of course, last year, and you did some dates in Europe, but you also uh, did a handful of gigs here in the states. And you know, I, I know the Europe shows are generally a success, but uh, what was your take on the response at the shows here in the states this time around? Well, you know, we have new management. You know, James Blades of Doc McGee's, you know, and then we have new agents, WME, which is William Morris, you know, and they've really come to the party and really upped the ante a lot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we got back together, you know, I bailed in 2007 uh, because it just, uh, at the time, I was very unhappy with the situation. Yeah. And some people that were involved. Right. Which are no longer involved. And, you know, I was going through a really hard time. I had to get myself together. I mean, I was drinking too much. I was, because, because of a lot of personal internal misery in my own world, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, these things happen. So I, I bowed out to get my shit together, you know? Right. And which I did. All by my little lonesome self. I had to make some <laughs> massive changes in my life. Yeah. Uh, not only just me personally, but things that were going on around me and some people that were around me. I had right. to cut out and it was a drag. But coming out of the fog, and in the midst of that, Paige called me on the phone and said, look, you know, Mikey's down now because Mikey's got ALS. And right, you know, right. We all know that that doesn't have a happy ending, man. I no. wish it fucking did. I wish, I wish there was something I could do to yeah. make him well again. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. But all we can do is try to help him and the family by, you know, David said, let's put the band back together. We're going to do a summer tour in uh, 2010. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, and this is after a couple of years away from it and everything, and I was healthy and everybody was healthy again. I said, I'll do it, but i got to have you back, meaning David Page, and I want Steve Bacar on the other side of the stage yep. there you go. to represent. And I want Joseph to sing mm-hmm. because I need a real singer and somebody who's one of us, who grew up with us, 40 years. We've right. all I mean, Joe may not have been the original singer, but he was an original friend. Right, and right. remained so even when he wasn't in the band. And, you know... You know, he had 20 years of being clean and getting his whole thing together and singing his ass off. So yeah. I said, you know, let's take another take on this for the fact that all of us are friends and childhood friends yeah. to help a, another childhood friend. And then Simon was gracious enough to come back, and Lee Sklar was busy at the time, so we, uh, David David really wanted uh, Nathan, and I said, that's a great idea, let's go with Nate. Absolutely, yeah. So, and, and, that, and he was available, and he, wore, he brought something completely different to it. Which, in a positive way, I mean, you know, you look around, I want to see as many of my high school friends as possible, because, let's face it, with Jeff gone, and Mike not standing up there with me, it's hard. For all of us, I know it's hard for Steve, you know, and, it, and but, 
in the spirit of positive, it was so much fun. And it was, you know, and the band never sounded better to me. Yeah. And according to the, most of the fans, yeah. not all of them, that was the universal thumbs up. So we thought, well, in the summer times, we, we helped Mike, we helped ourselves, and last year was a huge success. So we said, this year, 35th anniversary, let's keep the same team together and go back out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's been a really, something I look forward to, because I get to do all these other things outside. Steve right. Carl's, you know, scoring Justify, which is the number one cable right. show. That's and, right. You know, that's, that's a full-time gig, so in the summertime, he's free. Yeah. Uh, you know, Simon's out doing all kinds of crazy stuff. He's busy. So we all said, okay, we'll keep the summer times for Toto. So that's kind of been the plan, and that's where we've been at with it, you know. And, um, and it's been a lot of fun. It's our 35th anniversary. I can't yeah, believe yeah. that I'm saying yeah. this. We got a tour booked, and yeah, the United States is definitely on the map, man. Yeah. We, had a, we put our feet in the water. Now, with the new management and new agents, we did some different venues. We were testing it. You know, obviously, we went out and did really strong business. And in Europe, we did 30,000 people in Denmark headlining a festival. Jeez. And it was great. But the U.S. has always been an Achilles heel. You know, like what, you know, I think because we were held hostage by our record company for 10 years, no, nothing released, and our management never got us out of that deal so that we could move on. Yeah. Which is crazy as that is. Um, You know, we've had to regroup. I mean, and now we're kind of fresh meat, so to speak, because, you know, the same eight bands tour in various configurations every summer. (laughs) Guys from our era, classic rock era, you know, various packaging, you know. So we thought, we're going to go out by ourselves and see if we can draw anything. Because, you know, the few times we've tried, it was less than successful. So I was really apprehensive about doing Mm -hmm. that. I was going, man, maybe we should just, you know, throw the white flag up and just say I surrender and just like, you know, to play L.A. or New York once in a while, that'd be the end of it, you know. Yeah. Uh, Because there wasn't really... Uh, there's a lot of reasons why so I felt that way. But we went out this time, all of a sudden, next thing you know, we're doing like 1,500 to, to 2,500 people, packing yeah. them in with an incredible reaction. Yeah. So that was very positive. Our agents really, went, you know, the new agents really made a big difference, and along with the really strong management team. And the band was ready to do it, and we kicked ass, and it was fun. Yeah. So and the next thing we have in line now is we are going to go out in August, September in the United States, with someone else, which I can't really say yet, it'll be somebody you know from from the era, but none of not not like Journey or something like that. You know, yeah, as much fun as that might be, and not not at this particular point. Mm-hmm. We're going to do probably theaters and fairs and stuff like that. Kind of once again put our feet in the water and see how it goes this year to set us up for another summer thing next year. Yeah, because you know the 35th anniversary, we can only work for a few months. It's a big world out there, so the 35th anniversary will go on for a few years and we'll kind of see how that all goes. Yeah. Yeah, but it'll be a fun package. You know, we might work with a couple of different people. Sure. People from our eras, but, you know, it, it will be fun. People that we know that are friends that we've worked with before. It could be an interesting package for yeah. anything out so that we're not stuck playing clubs and stuff, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah, my guess is a co-headlining tour with, with Wham. <laughs> Wham. Wham. Well, Dave, we're going to make page worth the fucking shorts anyway. I just want to see that fucking, uh, you know, 58-year-old goat sack coming out of the both sides of those, uh, those shorts. Man, it would be hilarious. I'd pay money to see that myself. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. You, you've got something. I mean, and please leave that in. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm afraid we are I want people to get that visual. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I, I know it's uh, – in just keeping with the uh, 35th anniversary, something that I always see that comes up in social media, it's like the burning question a lot of Toto fans have. And you probably know what I'm going to ask you, but is, do you think there's yeah. ever an opportunity for you guys to get back in the studio and do another album again? We are in litigation right now. Our hands are tied. Still? With the most ridiculous lawsuit you've ever could imagine in your life. We, we talked we about this about last year. it out. Or we can make some sort of a meet-in-the-middle compromise. And yeah. there was, we were close to settling this thing. And then, you know, someone on the other side's ego got all bent out and demands, unrealistic demands were made. And it's very hurtful. Yeah. This was, um, I can't really talk too much more about it other than yeah. it's held up any DVD releases, any right, possibility right. of us ever doing anything new if we wanted to. Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh my I mean, it's not a question. I mean, Total, when we got back together again, it was never intended to be like, let's 
album tour, album tour again. Right, right. Nobody has the time. And in order to make our albums properly, we need to take the right time and care. There'd be a lot of expectations for it to be really good. The same care that I put into my own records was I was able to take a pretty much a year on and off to make right. Mm-hmm. Toto would be that too, and everybody's schedule and all this sort of thing. I think maybe at some point we could we would like to do something, if nothing else, a track or two, and why not? But we yeah. can't do anything until this mess is cleaned up, and that may not happen. Uh, we may end up in court for another freaking year. Oh my god! And not to mention the unbelievable cost that, as far as I'm concerned, her taking out of the mouths of my brother Mike, who needs the bread, and his family. Mm-hmm. It's really awful, and the person doing this to us is really an awful person. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know how they can sleep at night knowing that they have a this miserable lawsuit on the table, which is a no-win. This is a no-win. Nobody can win. Even if they win, they lose. Yeah, really. We all lose, because the money, only the lawyers win here. Yeah, really. So, I mean, I, I mean, it's unfortunate that we got into this mess in the first place, and that was caused by a, a management error, caused by... Uh, I don't want to get into it too much. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to dwell yeah, on it. Yeah, exactly. Well, because, let, well, let's talk because about... Because if I get misquoted or something like that and it gets back, you know how the internet is, man. Yeah, I'm curious. A little right. sound bite taken out of context, and the next thing you know, I'm getting sued for slander. Right, you exactly. know what I mean? Well, let's talk about I something. I can't do this. You know, it's really, a, it's really like carrying around a lead weight on everybody's back in the yeah. van. I can tell you that. Yeah. It's, it's not good for it life. It sucks. It's not. And it's unnecessary. Yes. Yeah. We could have made a compromise here. Maybe we will. Maybe somebody will wake up in the middle of the night and realize what an idiot they've been yeah, and see the light in it. And, and we could settle this thing amicably and everybody wins. Yeah. That would be the mature grown-up way to do it. Yeah. Well, tell you what, let's, let's, uh, let's get onto something positive then. No, I'm just telling you, people are going to ask. They want to know why. <laughs> that's, that's why. Well, exactly. That's yeah. Why. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we understand, and I, I. But we also understand that you know there's a lot of things you can't talk about. So you know we. <laughs> I can't. No, I can't. I've probably said too much. Yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I really have. I mean, but you know, I, I, I'm not naming any names. I'm not. You know, this could be. There's actually we have a couple of lawsuits. We have a lawsuit with our old record company, sorry, because they owe us royalties. Yeah. And then you know these, it's 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 another truly amazing thing. You sign these contracts that say, <clears throat> we do this, we get paid this. Or they just don't pay you. They yeah. make you sue sue them for it. Oh, my gosh. Everybody has to go through this in every record label, so it's not like I'm talking on some, ooh, what happened? What do you mean? Right. With yeah. digital rights, all these things, and downloads, and all this stuff, they just like, oh, we forgot to pay you. But, you know, rather than giving us the money, we have to sue them for it, <sighs> which costs another 25% off the top. Jeez. It's, you know, so I guess you're not really a successful band unless you have at least a couple of lawsuits going. But <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's sure a pain in the ass, all concerned. <laughs> well, here's something that we can talk about. It's your new albums in transition, and, and mm-hmm. you sort of alluded it, uh, to a little earlier, but me and Rick and Vin, you know, been fortunate enough to spend uh, some, some time over the past few days absorbing this thing, and we're loving it. This, this is a great project. It's, uh, Thank you, man. Um, Worked hard on it. You know, I know. You, it, 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 you know, it, it shows. It really does. Is, uh, is it safe to say that you know, this is just a, another journey for you, lyrically speaking, because uh, you, you cover a lot of personal territory here, Luke. Well, man, you know, what am I going to do? Write about going to the club, picking yeah. up girls in fast cars? I mean, I'm 55 years old. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of over it, you know? I'm over that aspect yeah. of my life. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm a, a grown-up now, and I, and I think, you know, lyrically, that's when I was on the road with these other people that I was, you know, touring with this year, I was writing lyrics by myself. I was really had a lot of time to bear my bear my own soul and figure it out how to make it into a song. Mm-hmm. I wrote a lot in my in a journal about how I was feeling about certain things, whether it be, you know, internet creeps like Creep Motel, you know, and mm-hmm. people just the haters and all this stuff, and other people in my life that have falsely called me out for things I've never done as in Judgment Day, and then put my personal life. You know, once again, it's a very painful song. You know? mm-hmm. uh, I, I write what I, what I feel, man, and I, I'm getting better at it because, you know, singing you know, singing and writing lyrics were, you know, it just takes a while. It took yeah. me a while to catch up. Yeah. You know, and I still practice the guitar every morning. I give it 5.30 in the morning practice for a while. Yeah. But, you know, I, I really dug deep, man. I mean, I think people want to hear honesty. The world is full of shit right now. Mm-hmm. And if somebody can... You know, speak their mind. I'm not saying I'm speaking the ultimate truth. I'm just speaking what I have been through. Right. Maybe, and I'm so far all the reactions that I've been getting and in, in all the promotion and press that I've been doing, you know, people have caught on to that that honesty and mm-hmm. kind of 
can relate to some of what I'm saying in their own lives. That's what a an artist does is connect with the audience, and they go, yeah, I can dig that. Yeah, but sure. I tried to be a little more hopeful, too. You know, the transition from being from the darkness of my life to waking up and going, you know, life is really actually really good. i got to look at the really positive things in my life. I'm so mm-hmm. lucky. to. I think I'm more appreciative of my career than I've ever been, mm-hmm. and I'm certainly appreciative of my health with so many of my friends. And not just Mike, a lot of my friends are sick, got cancer, and all sorts of things yeah. creeping up, man. The party years that come back to bite everybody in the ass, and I've been really fortunate to get a clean bill of health. Yeah, and I just I think you know you always admit the old joke is like you know you know you can't line your coffin with thousand dollar bills, man. And if you do, <laughs> who gives a shit, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, what's all? What does that all mean at the end of the day? So mm-hmm. quality of life, health, spending the right time, letting go of resentments. That was hard for me because I mean a lot of people I feel in my life. You know, we all have resentments towards people that we feel we have been wronged by. Or I've stood up and apologized to people that I felt that maybe I was wrong and was out of line and said something hurtful or, you know, some of my lost years and some of the things, painful things I've had to relive, I've tried to, I've picked up the phone a few times and said, look, man, I just want to tell you that I'm really sorry if I was ever a dick, you know, or said something hurtful. Yeah. You know, I've come clean in the press with my, you know, my issues, mm-hmm. my personal issues and that's part of the recovery you know, process. Now, I'm not like a rehab AA guy, but I have my own program. And I'm living my own life, and I'm quite happy to do that. I'm not a preacher. I don't care if people party or whatnot. But, you know, there's the party, and then there's when it's not fun anymore. It's not a party. It's just sad. Yeah. And I was really sad. Yeah. It's like, the, you know, hence the song Smile, right? The opening line is like, sure. smile when your heart is breaking. That's me being a clown trying to cover up the fact that there was so much misery and pain in my life for various reasons. Mm-hmm. I can't pinpoint any one. It's just sometimes it just buries you in it, you know? You, you know third, try, 36 years on the road, man. Yeah. That's a long time. <laughs> That's a long time. I started out as a teenager. You always think you're forever young and all that, you know? Yeah. Well, you're not forever young. I mean, I'm, I may get to, you know, act like an 18-year-old idiot sometimes, but I'm a grown man. I've been through grown-up experiences, and I've made some errors and mistakes that I'm regretful of. Mm-hmm. Most of all, hurting myself anyone, you know, and because of that, perhaps hurting anyone around me. But I've had to cut those things and those people out of my life, and I'm a better person for it. Yeah. But, you know, you don't just get to rip the Band-Aid off that fast. I mean, sometimes you have to go through the years of painful process, which mm-hmm. I have done. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, uh, the first track on Transition is Judgment Day, and you just mentioned that a moment ago. And, you know, last year when we talked to you, it was right around the time you just started writing that first, you know, the first tune for this album. And, in fact, mm-hmm. I think at the time you mentioned that the working title of the song was called First Blood. Yeah. Is that is that well, Judgment that Day? Well, it was the first song we wrote, First Blood, right? You know? Yeah. That's a little, we had a lot of, you know, whenever you start writing songs, you always have silly, ridiculous names for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that was that you know, I mean, transition had a ridiculous title. A working title was uh, Brown Betty, which is somebody made a joke about a, uh, <laughs> uh, my bass player Renee. Uh-huh. She didn't she didn't know what the obscene version of a Brown Betty was. <laughs> she just thought it was something her grandma made for Christmas, you know, a little cake. So that became a joke, and we wrote that. Because I was writing it with Steve Weingart came in to co-write that song with me and CJ. So uh, yeah. we just, you know, we were laughing about this. So I just said, well, there's an instrumental tune. At that point, it was just an instrumental tune. I said, we'll just call it Brown Betty for right now. And then sometimes, you, even after the lyrics are done and you've done stuff like this, you still refer to it as his initial nickname. Like, towards the end when we were mixing, I go, put up, um, um, fuck, uh, put up Brown Betty. And then we start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we're just really a bunch of kids in the studio. I mean, I, it's a, yeah. it's really, I mean, getting away from the darker part of life, which we all have to deal with. That's right. I have a lot of fun doing this, and I, and I surround myself with the coolest people. Yeah. I mean, C.J. Vanson was a massive part of this record. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, we just connect on a level. I mean, not only as musicians, but as songwriters, you know, co-writers, and we just hear things the same way. And he he really got the best out of me, and I really work well with a a foil, as it were, you know, someone to bounce off ideas. If I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't be finished things, or certainly wouldn't finish them as quickly. Yeah. And he was a great buffer for me. I would, we'd write, because uh, the whole thing with this record is like from the very first chord or lick that I played, yeah. we kept everything. We never re-recorded anything. So the original vibe and 
yeah. feeling is there. And we just kind of built these tra- built records around the initial spark of the songwriting idea. Right, right. Which brought a different it's a different way than I've normally done it before, but you know, which was kind of cool to do things different. So that's and all the songs are written almost in the order that they are on the record was was the order in which they were written. Wow, that's interesting. Which we didn't really think about and that's realize cool. until afterwards. So it kind of tells the story from how I felt from the beginning towards the end of the record. That's right. Well, you know, I was in the car. This is kind of funny. I was in the car last night driving, and my son was with me. He's nine years old, by the way. And uh, I had I had the track Creep Motel playing, and of course, it, I, I didn't know it was. Yeah, right. I didn't know it was. You know, I just got in the car, and that was that was what was on. And he heard the line <laughs> in the chorus that says, "You know, save your bullshit. You know the smell." And he said, "Dad, when you talk to Luke tomorrow, you need to tell him to put a beep over bullshit." <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Now, I, I got little kids, too, you know? And, and you know, I thought, just, you know, Fee, Fee, Fee co-wrote those lyrics, okay. you know? I mean, he came up with the idea of calling it Creep Motel. Yeah, yeah. And I sort of, I, 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 I said, you know, I, I'm going to write this how I speak. Right, right. And, you know, people place much too emphasis on the, on a swear word. I mean, it's right. just a word. Yeah. It's no different than, it's like I love it when people say, shoot. Or that's, you know, or, 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 <laughs> right. or the F word or something. Or it's like, come on, guys. You know, everybody knows what you're saying. Say the freaking word. Say that's the, right. Yeah, freaking. <laughs> so you just fucking, did it. You just say did the it. fucking word. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, come on. Now, okay, little kids, okay, you can, you can be arguing. It's like, well, they're young little minds. So what little kid, and by the time they're 11 years old, doesn't use these words regularly? As a matter of fact, they overuse them at first because right. they think it's kind of neat to right. try to be a grown up and swear. But that's how I talk, and I think that the sentiment that I was trying to put apart, we wrote it a couple of different ways, but it wasn't strong enough. Because it really is bullshit, what people say on the, on the fucking internet sometimes. Right, exactly. The, the, hateful, the hateful crap that people write, man, that with, you know, under fake names and stuff like this. And the same people would shake your hand in the middle of the day telling you how great you are. Right. But, you know, my shrink told me, he, he was seeing a guy who is, he needed help because all he would do was go on and be hateful in every possible Facebook or blog or fan page or anything, even if he knew nothing about it or didn't even know what he was talking about. If somebody said, I like this, he would say, I hate this and, and rip people yeah. because he's got so much negativity inside of himself. Oh, they're out there. Yeah. Well, everybody's out there yeah. and not any, <laughs> no one escapes unscathed. Yeah. I don't care who you are. You have haters. This is one of the things that, you I mean, the next thing that's going to happen is you know, walk into a room with a hologram of like or dislike floating next to you. Right. And if so many, too many people point to the dislike, you get thrown out of the room, you know? Yeah. We live in this horrifically Orwellian, demented society where people are attached to their gadgets and their Facebook and their... this. I mean, you go out to dinner and people are staring at their phones. They're not even communicating with yeah. each other. And they're... Two feet away. Well, and half of what anybody says online is something they'd never say face-to-face with somebody. You're right. People got a big pair of nuts when there's nobody That's right. staring them down. You know, say that to my face. Say that, say that mean shit. I'm not saying, I don't, oh, I don't like that track or, uh, you, you know, blah, blah, blah. I wish you would have done this. I mean, not, not constructive criticism. I listen to the constructive criticism on Facebook fans. And say, I hate the word fan, but you know what I mean? The people yeah. that follow and buy my stuff support the cause. Yeah, those people matter. You right. know, a punk rock journalist is going to is going to hate me no matter what. Yeah, it's like I hate mayonnaise. You could doll it up all you want, but you put mayonnaise on anything or stick that shit in front of me, I'm not going to eat it. I'm going to go no way. <laughs> That's right. It's the same thing. You don't take a punk rock journalist and throw him in, a, in one of my shows or a Toto show and expect them to write anything but hateful shit. That's right. I mean, it's it's you know, even they'll admit that they go like, look, you know. You can't make somebody like something that you know they just don't. Not everybody likes everything. But the people that support you, that opinion matters. And right. I have taken that, that advice many times mm-hmm. and used it mm-hmm. because those people matter. Exactly. But, I mean, some of the shit is just childish, man, you know. Yeah. You're ugly. You're, you look at this, your hair. Look at this. Or so-and-so's fat, blah, blah, blah. They just really go for this, like... Eight-year-old schoolyard shit for people, and so it's really hurtful because maybe it's true. <laughs> but you wouldn't walk up to somebody face to face and go, "You're fat and ugly." <laughs> no, you wouldn't do that to somebody. But you write it under the you know your fake name. That's exactly yeah, right. That's right. That's exactly right. But, I mean, that's not cool. It's not cool. It's not. And cool. also, we all know you know the the you know the jazz jury of the internet. I mean, a lot you know. Another thing is, people will believe anything written. 
We saw this in the political arena. I mean, did it ever get any, have you ever seen anything more ugly in your life? That's what I was going to say a moment ago. Hatred going back and forth. Yeah. I know friends of mine that, lo- they, they, they walked away from long time friendships. Right. Over right. this, you know, over this, um, this whole, you know, the whole presidential thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, it's not, it's got nasty. Guys, man, you know, okay. You have a right to your opinions either way, but at the end of the day, you still got to walk down the same street. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you're really friends, I mean, I have a lot of friends that are uber uh, conservative. Yeah. yeah. Ironically, all rich. <laughs> but <laughs> well, yeah. um, there are a lot of people that I have that are totally liberal. I mean, I'm not going to even get my views into this because you lose half your audience. That's, that's, that's right. <laughs> um, let's just say I see both sides of the fence. Yep. I'm a reasonable human being. We can agree to disagree and be grown-ups about it. Or you can see this bullshit hatred and... You know, cherry picking little sound bites of a thing. I mean, the same thing happens with anything you say in an interview. I think you're right. I have been taken out of context and without the ha 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 written after it. Mm-hmm. And it comes across me sounding like an arrogant prick or I maybe hurt somebody's feelings by saying something less than flattering about something. So I'm really careful about what I say now because I know what it feels like on the other side. Yeah. That's, I think, my grandiose point. And that's what Judgment Day is about, even specifically about a person who called me out. It was just completely a lie. They ran with it, you know, and people believe that. And then mm-hmm. they take sides. Who do you believe? Well, how about believe the truth? Yeah. And prove it. You know, if you're going to call me out on some shit, make sure it's the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let's, I want to jump back on the, the album here again. Yeah. And but, the third track in the album is called Once Again. And, uh, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, if you mention the name Lukather, everybody has the connotation to, you know, the amazing rock guitarist. But, you know, this is yet another example of your ability to write such a well-crafted, you know, Ballad, power mm-hmm. ballad. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. It's emotional. It's heart wrenching. And, and did you did you write this one yourself, or did you write with someone? And kind of part of me. I wrote f- the lyrics myself, but I wrote it with CJ. Okay, all right. We oh, just sat you. down, and I and I and I had this like n- nice little clean sound on the guitar, and I started playing a real simple lick. And I said, you know what? I want to write something like Clapton, you know, like the you know yeah. Wonderful Tonight or something like that, you know. But maybe with some hip or changes, you know. And I started playing this, and then CJ started playing the keyboard, and then the, you know, and we write so quickly. The initial spark of the ideas went down, but I, but after we wrote, you know, the the framework of the the changes and had a melody, which I always immediately right after I just have a microphone and I just do la 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 kind of melodies. Right, this is kind of where I hear. Then we refine the melody. Then I said, let me take this one home. I'm gonna live with this one, man. You know, I want to write this, you know. People like the love songs that they're touched by. Then we write a really good one. Mm-hmm. This one hurt. That one hurts because it's yeah. the truth. It's what yeah. I. It's what I. It's what happened to me. But I'm not alone. Everybody goes through breakups. They're painful. They suck. Yeah. But yeah. you know, it's part of life. And so I just write. I decided it, it's a little different thing for me. I mean, it's particularly for the guitar chair. You know. Yeah. It's a different sound. You mm-hmm. know. Then my and my. I'm really been working hard on my voice, man. I got a new voice teacher, Gary Katana. Uh-huh. who's really, you know, opened up the throat a lot and gave me a lot of power. Plus, not drinking and smoking has brought back a lot of power and control of the voice. Mm-hmm. It's really important to, to pull the shit off live, you know? Mm-hmm. And I did, you know, when we go in there, i do about, you know, three or four, five takes maybe, and CJ would throw me out of the building, and he'd put together a best of, and I'd come back and we'd work on it again. I'd refine it, maybe sing some more, and... No, I don't like that. That's, no, that's not what I was trying to... This has to feel like this. You know, so we had the luxury of doing it like that. Well, you know, the, the track, once again, uh, for me, is, is a real highlight on Transition, and I want to take a listen to a sample of it. This is from our guest, Steve Lukather, right here on Inside Music Cast. So many years ago 
soul who cries No matter how hard I try I gotta let it go a question. You, you mentioned your voice uh, coach. What kind of stuff are you working on with your voice? I mean, over this past year, you've you've changed physically, so obviously your voice has too. How is yeah. it bringing it back? What what kind of little small things are you? Is he working with you to to get the well, clarity? Well, it's a whole different. It's a different process than the la 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 la. Good, yeah, right. Good, yeah, good, good thing. You know what I mean? It's it's a uh, he has a different way of doing things. It's opening up. You know, believing that the throat is a muscle and a very strong muscle, and, and you have to open up your throat to get the power. It, they're, they're vocal exercises. They're not very pleasant to listen to, and I won't spare you. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> having listened, but you know, he 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 does a lot of real famous singers, and mm-hmm. um, I met him through some mutual friends, and I thought I'd give it a go. Yeah. He was the guy that brought Larry Carlton's voice back after he was shot. Really? But he said yeah. they said he'd never speak again, and yeah. now he speaks like a normal human being. Yeah. So he's a bit of a wizard when it comes to all this. That's incredible. So I mean, like. I, I'm not sitting around like I'm trying to get better at my craft as a guitar player, as a singer, as a songwriter, as a lyricist, as a writer. You know, just as a perform a live performer. I'm not just you know sitting around resting on the laurels of my past and just trying to see how much money I can make before they throw me out of the building. I I want to get better at this. I mean, mm-hmm. I have all yeah. this extra time and energy. I'm focusing it in as much of a positive way as I can. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, I've listened to this. Eddie and I have listened to this album quite a few times, and and uh, I, you know, tracks three, four, and five. You know, we just talked about once again, which is track three. Track four is a song called "Right the Wrong," and it's another you know powerful anthem kind of a song that has sort of a political humanitarian message, and you know, a big soaring chorus, and of course, some really tasteful mm-hmm. guitar solos. It, it just it, you know, a few bars into "Right the Wrong" after you know the sentence row. I love that little plucky guitar and bass effect. That's gets, Trevor. You know, my son. He is that Trevor? That yeah. He's, that's him playing it. That's, that's really cool. I, I think that's... He, he co-wrote the, the melody and the B section and all the lyrics with us, too. That was definitely a co-write between CJ, myself, and Trev. Yeah. Real proud of him, man. He's really... He's just... He's got some big things coming, and he got some great news yesterday. I can't talk about it much because it's not my place, but mm-hmm. you're yeah. going to be hearing a lot more from him, man. He's really matured into a, a full-bodied musician, you know what I mean? Very proud of him as a, as a man and also as a, as a musician. Uh, he's got some great ideas, and you know, proud moment, father and son moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good times, great stuff. We got to get him on one of these days. We talked know. about having him on the show. You should. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean well, he's going to have product out probably by the end of the year. So okay. He just got it. He just made a deal with a massive new management company. It's just going to change. It's a, awesome. a game changer. So. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's cool. taking him longer to get started than it did me because the business is like. Oh, say, yeah. There's that old famous song. There's no business. Uh, We shouldn't be laughing at it. I know that. That's that's pretty sad, you know. You guys know what I'm talking about, man. It's like, you know, trying to be a young session boy. He's actually doing sessions for guys that I used to do sessions for, except the money's about one tenth of what it used to be. So, you know, it's just everything is different, you know? I know we're in a period of flux, change, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the pendulum has swung, as it were, but maybe it's going to swing back, you know. i got to believe in some kind of hope in the world, you know. Yeah. Well, hey, Luke, uh, let's take a quick break, and we want to take a listen to a sample of a song uh, that we think is going to be a very popular one with your fans, and that's a track called Right the Wrong.
Transition is the middle track in the album, and a few minutes ago you said that it was kind of interesting because it was a question that I had developed for you today, and it's uh, you said that all the songs on the album are sort of in order, the way you recorded them. Mm-hmm. So this is the middle track, Transition is the middle track in the album, and in a sense, it's the transition on this album is, you know, is the next three tracks, Absolutely. Last Man Standing. You know, I didn't really think about that there is a, a, a slight thread of a, mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it, a theme, you know. Concept yeah. record, really. Yeah. Without it being a concept record, you know, right. I'm not writing about Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, you know, it really is kind of a journey of my life from right. from where I've been, where I'm going to. Yeah, okay. And then transition from a lyrical standpoint is like I'm getting older now. You know, what happens when you die? What happens? You know, I'm con- you know contemplating my own mortality. Yeah. So and like you know, it, it started out as an instrumental piece, but I kind of looked looked at this piece. We I mean, CJ looked at this piece as. Uh, along with with uh, Steve Weingart, uh, harkens back to my mid seventies prog love of prog rock. You know, yes, always had exactly. these great pieces. Yeah. Like it would start out in instrumental, then go into a, a real soft vocal part, then mm-hmm. bring back themes and stuff like that. So we kind of went for that. You know, yeah. little Pink Floyd meets Yes meets a little heavier version of a fusion riff or something. You know? Yeah, exactly. Little Jeff Beck intro. Yeah. You know, I didn't. I don't really. I throw these names around as influences, but you know. Well, that's the music that influences me. I, mean, I wear my influences on my on my on my sleeve. Always have. Sure. I always admit to them because mm-hmm. I love that music, and that's what inspired me to become a musician. I love the big, huge productions. You know, I'm not making any apologies for this. No, I'm they, not a punk musician. They, I like big records, big produced, lush, massive sounding records, yeah. and that's so. That's what we went for. I'm not trying to write a top forty single. I mean, I'm, I'm appealing to people that might have been following me for years and try to surprise them. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing I avoided was power chords. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, big fifth quadruple track, like on every other rock record that's come out for the last 35 years. (laughs) Uh, There's just a certain, it takes up so much room in the sonic spectrum. Some people have said, well, your new album sounds a little lighter than the past. I said, really not. If, 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 If you just take away the concept of power chords and listen again, yeah. There's a lot of heaviness to the record. Yeah. It's just not in an obvious way. Yeah. But uh, I'm really proud of that track. That Cal Wilkinsfeld played her ass off in that. Oh, that's right. That's right. You know, th- this track is, it, it really is beautiful and deserves, uh, you know, when me and Rick were listening to it here in the studio, we were at the very end of it, we said, this is a, a more than six minute track and it goes everywhere and it's just beautiful. I mean, it's got the nicest performances uh, on it. I think Weingart, his his uh, lead synth track, amazing. Like, one, I think that should be transcribed by every musician. That's, so that's beautiful. And he just played that, man. Yeah, that guy Steve Weingart is that good. Yeah, he oh, is good. He's, he's amazing. He's truly one of the finest musicians I've ever known. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and and, and CJ was just great because I hate him. <laughs> 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 and CJ's a bad motherfucker too, man. He's another insane guy. Yeah. these guys are both like perfect pitch genius types. You know, I just I surround myself with guys this good because it makes me look better. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got to say, man, Whiny, I I just like you know we we co wrote this and I said, well, you know, he's got to play this all on this because like you know, come on, you know, no doubt. And he just came in, it's beautiful, and 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 played this. And it was like, well, fuck, okay, that's like the perfect solo. <laughs> Why can't I play like <laughs> it that? It was beautiful, yeah, and beautiful touch, beautiful sound, phrasing, choice of notes. I mean, he's amazing. The guy's it's insane how good he is. Yeah, and I just you know it's one of my favorite solos on the whole record. I know, I know, it's mine too. Yeah. Well, hey guys, let's uh, take another short break, and I want to check out a sample of the title track, Transition, from our guest today, Steve Lukather, on Inside Music Cast.
And then the last track on the album is the Charlie Chaplin classic Smile, which you... Yeah, that was me and Weingart. We played that live in the studio. Yeah. But that's, that's, uh, that's one take guitar for me. But I, uh, and, and Steve played the keyboards, but CJ took it in MIDI and took his parts and kind of messed with it and turned it into like a Stevie Wonder talking book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I think Whitey's kind of scratching his head on that one still. Uh, but uh, but we used it's his his playing, but CJ re, you know re redid all the sounds, you know what I mean, and yeah. then put a little teeny rose thing over the top. Uh, it's just the joys of being able to produce records, but it, it is one performance. Mm-hmm. But you, this was and, uh, uh, that's you know that song was I thought I started doing that at the end of uh, you know some of our shows and the last leg of my solo tour last time and mm-hmm. people like as a second encore like way to wind it down. I just, I have a, a love of that melody. Well, it reminded me of my mom. You know, she loved all stuff. So it was a dedication to my mom, too, that she's now gone. But right. hopefully watching over me. Well, I want to talk about some of the people who you work with on this album. And, you know, you, of course, you mentioned C.J. Vanston being high on the list. And, you know, you and C.J. have such a great relationship. And, yeah. you know, I, he worked he with you. He great. He mixed the record great, too. Man. Mm-hmm. That, great you know, sounds. That was another question I had for, for you. I didn't find any credits, you know, initially here for engineering. Did he engineer the yeah, album? Yeah, I mean, I stood over his shoulder. But, you know, really when we recorded the record, as every part was put on, uh we had the sounds pretty dialed in. Now, I brought in uh, Ross Hogarth to cut the drum tracks, okay. the, uh, the live drums over at the steakhouse, and we did the bass overdubs as well over there. Mm-hmm. So we were adding the real drums and the real bass. Uh, Ross did that, but in the end, uh, CJ mixed the whole record, and he also recorded 90% of it. Very mm-hmm. cool. And when we got a great sound, we just kept it. So the mixes were almost pre-mixing all the way along, mm-hmm. but at the end, when we were really getting detailed about it, you know, he'd he'd get it close. I'd come in, I'd sit behind him, and we'd just go through it meticulously mm-hmm. together. And in the end, that's what you got. You know, and Pete Dole mastered it over Universal. I'm really, sonically, we tried not to compress it too much so that yeah. there would be dynamic range and it would get soft and they get loud as opposed to just loud like every other record, <laughs> like a big right. black brick exactly, on the right. spectrum analyzer. Right. Uh, I, I, I grew up with dynamics, you know, vinyl sounding. You know? Yeah. Stuff like that, you know. I wanted it to all of a sudden get loud, and, you know, knock your head back a little bit, and then get real quiet. I mean, the point of digital recording is you don't have this, exactly. so you can do this stuff without it, you know, suffering. Right. Exactly. You know, you use five bassists on this project: Hal, yeah, Nathan East, John Pierce, even Renee Jones, and and even Lee Sklar. Um, You know, and Hal, yeah, yeah. It, with with these guys, five amazingly talented and girl, to, yeah, and girl, you know, and uh, <laughs> so. You know, how did you and CJ decide who played on which track? Uh, was it going to be well, was that it was based the great on thing available? About doing it the way we did it was we were able to cast each song like a movie. Uh-huh. Let me see who would be great to be in this. Mm-hmm. I had the um, the luxury of you know because I live in L.A. running into people like you know mm-hmm. when I ran into Chad Smith on the street. You know, I forget where we ran into each other. Man, I see what are you doing? I'm working on a record. He goes, well, "Come on!" And I said, "Well, come down and play on it." Yeah, he came down the next night and played. He played on "Right the Wrong." Yeah, and the same thing with the and drummers it was too. Great. Right? He gave a performance, man. It was it was it, it was truly awesome, man. Yeah. You know, and you know, like you know, so I used the guys in the band. You know, Eric, uh, Eric Valentine played drums on like four tracks. Yeah, and Renee played bass on uh, once again and did a bunch of background vocals on a few other things. And uh, John Pierce played on a bunch of things. Sklar played on uh, Judgment Day and once again, gotta have Sklar. Um, Tal played on. Um, Transition, um, and Nate played on the um, rest of the world. Uh, I just was able to go, hey, let's get this film. And Lenny Castro, of course, put his love on everything. I can't do a record without Lenny. Yeah. He's so badass. Yeah. He just absolutely. makes everything swing, you know? Yeah. And Toss Panos was a wild card on drums. Uh, he played on Judgment Day, and uh, once again, he just has a very different approach to it. Yeah. Very yeah. free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Liquid playing. I mean, he's so. It, uh, I just love what he does, man. Mm-hmm. And CJ really, he was like, man, you know, he saw his jam one night. He goes, CJ, man, we got to get CJ. I mean, we got to get uh, Toss in on some, a couple things. And I was like, great, you know, wow, really, you're right, man. That, that, that's a great call. You know, you're you're right about Toss. And last winter, last Christmas time, I was able to to stop by your show at the Baked Potato, and and I guess you had Greg Matheson and and, uh, and oh, that was just a loose little yeah, jam thing. Some yeah. of that was really good. Some of uh, you know, you're right about the Toss, loose, though. He's got but, a. Uh, I mean, those musicians are incredible. Greg yeah. and Toss, 
uh, it was it was it was really a lot of fun. Man. I think I know where you ran into Chad Smith. I think it was when you took uh, your son to Chuck E. Cheese a few weeks ago. Is that right? <laughs> No, 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 he recorded this months and months ago. <laughs> no, but I did have to take my little guy to Chuck uh, E. Cheese. This has been fact true. Hey, when I, a few it's years... A, it's a weird thing now. Now it's all different because I haven't been there in like 20-some-odd years since my kids were little, <laughs> since the big kids were little. Now they have this hand stamp thing where they stamp your hand and your kid's hand. Right. And it's under a black light and you got to... So you can't steal somebody else's kid. You can just imagine some pervert <laughs> yeah. going to Chuck E. Cheese and yeah. hanging out. I mean, that's really dark, man. <laughs> I mean, is, is this the world that we live in now, you know? Hey, when I sat in with you a few days back in 2007 when you were recording your Ever-Changing Times album, I got to witness uh, it was a day when you had sort of a parade of amps that were brought into the studio for you to choose from. Oh, yeah. Is this something you do for every record? You know, or, No, this record I used my L3 guitar with the new DiMarzio pickups. And I also use uh, and into a a Bogner Ecstasy amp with a volume pedal. All the effects were done as plugins, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was it was very organically done. I used yeah. a Kemper modeling amp on a couple of really cool clean sounds. That's a really interesting little box. I haven't really gotten into that yet, but that's a really cool little box. As far as modeling amps, best one I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, but I really wanted to go totally organic with this. Man. Yeah. And maybe that word's overused, but yeah. <laughs> that's what I use, man. Very cool. I, didn't, I mean, it was as straight ahead as I've ever been in my entire life. Well, the album sounds and I think fantastic. There's a certain, I backed off the gain. I wasn't over, you know, overloading the distortion. I really wanted a little bit more tone. Mm-hmm. I backed off the, you know, trying to be super chops guy. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to, you know, define the notes and the phrasing and really do what I, you know, go back to what I do best. I mean, there's a million, a million guys that play uber fast and do it right. so much better, and it's, it's, it's. It's a young man's game, man. You know, I've matured into an adult now. I don't really need to whip out, show everybody how big my dick is every time somebody comes along. You know, I mean, it's not. I, I when I when I was you know in the period of my darkness, you know, I have a tendency to play how you feel. Mm-hmm. So if I was angry or frustrated, I would play that way, and and it sounded that way, like I was playing too much or. Mm-hmm. A little juiced up on stage, play a little sloppy, and maybe just my ideas were disjointed and fragmented, and I, some of it's really hard to look at, hard to watch, and, right. and certainly I got the shit beat out of me on the internet by the internet haters, or people <laughs> would just go, "You suck! What happened to you, man?" <laughs> you know, that's, you know. Listen, it was really hard to uh, to look at myself that way and, and realize that they were right. I had lost my way. And, uh, you know, it happens, and I apologize for it. You know, I admit it. I'm not trying to say, what are you talking about? I mean, you know, the, you know, the tape don't lie, you know? Mm-hmm. It was hard for me to really take a hard look. But it, on the other hand, it was a slap upside the head that I might have needed. And it's, it's, it's put me back on track again. Yeah. You know, it's just like the rest of my life. I was in a fog, man. I mean, nobody wants to really take a hard look at themselves in the middle of disaster, emotional disaster. Mm-hmm. It was affecting everything around me and the people around me, and I'm sorry for that, too. But, you know, like I said, 36, on, 36 years on the road, man. I did 200-plus days last year. I mean, wow. Or this year. I mean, you know, you, you, people just... It's not the glamour life that everybody imagines, you know? Right. I don't get paid for the two hours on stage. I get paid for the, the other 22. Yeah. It's sometimes really hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Hey, Luke, before we wrap things up, we're kind of running short on time. We've got a, we posted a message up on our Facebook wall. Um, yeah, bring them on, man. Ask me anything. Yeah, we've got some questions from uh, some listeners and some fans of yours. And the first one is from uh, Evie from Hilversum, Holland. And she wonders if you uh, ever suffer from writer's block. And more importantly, what do you do to work your way out of it? It's funny. You know, I, I never really have, but I'm not the guy that, that writes songs every day. I'm really the guy who's like, okay, it's time to write. Let's write. Yeah. And the fear may be the very first thing that comes out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, okay, do we have anything this time? And then it, that's when we sat down to write Judgment Day. I was like, okay, well, okay. I looked and started laughing. I go, okay, now what? You know, and he goes, well, I can try this, and the next thing you know, the song's written. So I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. I, but, I mean, people probably suffer writer's block more if they have this need to like write songs every day or something like when i go on the on the road unless i'm in the middle of an album i don't write i i do i focus on the live performance a different mindset yeah right one is like painting where you sit back and you paint you can look at the colors and redo stuff you don't like it 
playing live is like driving Formula One, man. Full yeah. on. If you bang in the wall, you got to keep going. <laughs> right. Hope, exactly. you don't, hope you don't blow the car up. Yeah. Yeah. It's that energy. It's a different. Uh, it's a different vibe altogether. But Absolutely. no, I'm lucky. I, I I push straight ahead. Okay. Here's a question from Toronto, a good friend of ours that's been a, actually a guest of ours on Inside Music Cast, Don Brightup, and he wants to know if you have any recollections uh, uh, of playing on the Earth, Wind, and Fire track back on the road. Boy, that's a. Jeez. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, that was <laughs> I was working with George Massenberg, was the engineer then. I was working uh-huh. with it was just me, Maurice White, and. Uh, George, and it was ironic because Al McKay wrote the song, who's a great guitar player in his own right and, and a great songwriter, and also was an old friend. I knew him when I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And they played me this track, and I said, wasn't well, this Al's song? And, and they said, yeah. I said, well, why isn't Al playing on it? He goes, well, we want you to play on it. And I always like feel weird about doing stuff like that. You know, yeah. I have done it many times, like played on other people's records. Yeah. But... Uh, I just I said okay well let me warm up man let me just play some stuff you know let me let me just see how it feels you know so they played the track and I just played all over it just like I did on the running with the night track mm-hmm. with the Lionel right. I just playing too much I was just stepping all over everything just you know just try to get my chops up and at the end of the first take I went like okay well let's do one and Maurice goes it's done <laughs> I, went, I went come on man I mean I played all over that thing you know. He goes, well, we'll go through it. We'll just, you know, we'll use the best of it. But that's, you don't need to do that again. That was fantastic. <laughs> wow. Okay. They're all, you know, so, uh, yeah, that's, you know, sometimes you get, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about all this. But, yeah. uh, you know, I guess in the end it was okay. I haven't listened to it, I don't think, in 30 years. But people mention that one every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Another question from Yohi Sugimoto. I, th- I hope I pronounced that right, from Japan. He says, hi, Luke-san, my soulmate. He goes, what's the update on your upcoming biography? My soulmate, I love that. <laughs> um, I'm working. I have two sample chapters uh, done right now. I'm uh, getting together a few quotes and a bunch of pictures that I have just to kind of make the the publishing deal. I, I'm co-writing it with my high school buddy Lon Friend, who is the editor of Rip Magazine, because I needed somebody to help sort through it. I mean, you have to understand, man. It's, you know, 36 years, 2,000 some whatever how many many thousand records it is. Uh, a, lo- a long time without even getting into the total story. Yeah. How do I condense this into 250 pages or whatever? Yeah. I could write an encyclopedia for God's sake. <laughs> you mention a name of an artist and I got stories. Right, exactly. How the records were made, who did what. I'm not going to do the sex, drugs, tell all. I mean, come on, man. You know, yeah. really, how tired is that? Yeah. Besides, my story's a little bit more interesting than that anyway. <laughs> I'm not, and I wanted to avoid, I read a lot of biographies, so I want to avoid the. When I was seven, I got my first guitar. Blah, blah, blah. And you're already nodding out from boredom, you know? So we're going to time trip through. I want to keep it light and humorous. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. I'll tell a few humorous stories, but uh, I will only implicate myself. And uh, most of it's just going to be about the music and, and, and the amazing people that I've had a chance to work with. You cool. know? It's pretty... I, I mean, when I, when I started to get into it, I had I, forgotten that I, I, I kept saying to myself, did I really do all this stuff? Right. <laughs> Where did they find the time to do all yeah. that? Oh, amazing, yeah. You know, despite all the rumors about how fucked up we were all supposed to be on drugs or whatever, if that was really true, how do we really have that much output and be in a band? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not saying I was innocent, but it wasn't as dark as everybody likes to believe. You know, you know it's, it's the old tell the story enough times and the lies become truth, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but we had some great times. There were some amazing laughs through mm. along the way, and... I have a lot of stories to tell. I think it'll be interesting. I'm hoping in the next couple of years. I'm so booked up, it's hard to write a book and do all this at the same time. So it'll come out when it's, when it's done. We have one last question for, um, for you from Buenos Aires and Federico Zaraz. Uh, he wants to know if you, have, uh, if you listen to any new guitarists and musicians that uh, you personally are listening to these days. Well, you know, I was having a conversation with someone the other day about this. Um, yeah, I mean... My son plays some really interesting stuff, but you know, as far as I don't know, who, where's the next Eddie Van Halen? Where's the new Hendrix? Where's the new guy? Where's yeah. the twenty-year-old guy? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you say young, I mean, I, I go to younger. I look at a guy like Joe Bonamassa, who I think is absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah, but I still go back to the guys that I really dig, man. You know, the guys that I came up with. Yeah, I mean, Mike Landau, you know, Wayne Krantz. You know, interesting players, you know, mm-hmm. guys that, you know, there's guys like Jimmy Herring and uh, 
all, all the you know the government mules, Wayne, you know um, uh, Warren Haynes and, and Derek Trucks and all these amazing. They're, they're younger than me, or they're my peers, or whatever. They're the same age as me. Where's the twenty-year-old version of these guys? Yeah, I don't know who that is. I want I want them to come. It's time. I'm fifty-five. You know, I'm. I'm not slowing down. I'm refining what I do. But, I mean, I want somebody to come along and kick everybody's ass. I think the last guy to really do something so radically different was Tom Morello, and he's in his 40s. Yeah, yeah. You know, but where's the young... There's a lot of artists, but it's like, where, where's the young... I was doing Young Guitar Magazine for Japan, and the guy was doing... You know, I go... I started laughing. I go, well, I guess, I guess it's old guitar now. And he started... He laughed. He said, well, we're having problems with the magazine. Because there isn't any really young new player that's come around. There's a lot of young players that go on the internet and learn all the tricks. Yeah, they can play unbelievably fast. Right, and an unbelievable technique, and they're great. And it makes me laugh. They're so good, I want to slap them. But to have an original voice. Yeah, exactly. Somebody to come along, and you go, "What the fuck was that?" Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Exactly. The technique can be learned, but the style. Who's bringing something new to the vocabulary? Who's got a new twist to it? Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about guys that step on buttons to make the sound guitar, yeah, the guitar yeah. sound weird and shit. I'm talking about a guy who's playing. Come on, man. Where's the 18-year-old kid? Where is he? <laughs> yeah, I want him to come around and blow everybody's mind. It'll be good for the, it'll be good for the guitar. Mm-hmm. Great point. A lot of cats. There's a million Texas blues guys, man. You know, there's a fetus that plays like fucking Stevie Ray Vaughan. It's, it's almost a laugh now. <laughs> It's like, the, that's right up there with the guys that are super speed demons. Right. They, they, I mean, there's a guy like Guthrie Govan who plays so beautifully, and he's got all that. Mm-hmm. But he's not 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Where's the young guy? You know, it's almost like the internet is good and bad, because what it does is it teaches everybody the same thing. <laughs> you know, whereas when we were young, we developed our own style through trial. Sure, we would copy our heroes. Absolutely. You can hear... You can hear, in my own playing, I can hear my influences. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it still sounds like me, a little bit, you yeah. know? Right. And the guy, uh, you know, I'm looking for the guy that when you hear it, you go, oh, that's got to be so-and-so, because it can't be anybody else. Right, exactly. That's what's missing. Well, maybe... I think that's missing in, generally, rock bands in general. Mm-hmm. Everything is like, oh, that's retro. Like, well, retro, okay, cool. I mean, I get, I get it. I lived the retro. It wasn't retro when I was a kid. It was living it real time. <laughs> but where's where's the... Where's the new shit? Yeah, exactly. Where's the, where's the people you just scratch your head and go, that was amazing. I want to hear that again. Well, maybe it's, maybe it's Trev, you know? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I mean, Trev is, you know, he's got some, an interesting twist. It's kind of like classic rock meets electronica, Yeah, if you can believe it. Yeah. Got, you know, but, you know, he loves, you know, he, he just loves good melodies. I mean, yeah. he, he's 25, so he's almost too old now. Yeah. <laughs> he's refining his thing. But, I mean, where's the guy... I mean, the guy's going to turn the guitar upside down. We're mm-hmm. just going to go, oh my God. Somebody with a new vibe. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, is it true that maybe it's already all been done? I mean, I don't I think there's not. a new kind of food style that people can prepare. Maybe, have, have we done it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> have we reached that point? I mean, how many different ways can you fuck somebody, you know? <laughs> Lord knows you can find some real interesting ones on the internet. I can some shit that just went, whoa, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> I have some very interesting friends and band members that uh, comb the internet for such things. <laughs> I think I lost part of my sight looking at them. Oh, this is a this is a good way to go out, Luke. <laughs> I think it right there. That's in this video right here. <laughs> hey, Luke. All right. Well, I got to get ready to go to rehearsal, mate. Yeah. Great talking to you guys, and uh, uh, you know, try not to make me sound too much like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, thanks for uh, spending all this time again with us, and uh, look for the album win on January 22nd, is that right? Or 22nd 20... Worldwide. Okay, very awesome. cool. Looking Give forward or take to it. a day before or after. <laughs> <laughs> that week. Thanks, Luke. All right, thanks again, Luke. Shake it easy. All right, bye-bye. Special thanks to Steve Lukather for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. We'd also like to thank our correspondents, Kim Riley, Brian Pearson, Scott Gross, Max Zape, Mikhail Ingstrom, Uwe Reith, and Scott Sheriff for their continued support and content development for Inside Music Cast. Inside Music Cast is powered by Cabello Associates and Earshot Audio Post. For information about becoming a sponsor and sharing your message with thousands of music fans around the world, please visit InsideMusicCast.com for contact information. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for listening to Inside Music Cast.